Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy, druids. In cars. Going to festivals. So this morning before we left Harvest Nights, we were asking uh, some of the folks there uh, if they had any like discussion questions that they were interested about regarding our spirituality or our religion. And uh, one of the people <laughs> was like, why do you do things with your hands? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yes, because in ritual, we do things with our hands. We make gestures and we stand in certain positions and all that kind of stuff. And it, it, it can look a little weird. Yeah. That's totally true. Um, especially if you're not used to standing in ritual with us. We're just making these hand motions and we make the same ones, more yeah. or less. Which, I mean, we're makes part sense. of the same grove culture, so it, yeah. it makes sense. Um, and and if you're not part of our growth culture, then you would probably do different things mm-hmm. or nothing at all. And so it's a, a perfectly good question. And so we'll try and answer that, I suppose. For each of the kindreds, we kind of have a, a different way of putting our hands, as well as for the Earth Mother and other parts. Mm-hmm. So we'll try and describe them as best we can. Over uh, over the airwaves here, yeah, <laughs> with no visuals, and we'll see how that goes. For the Earth Mother, we used to bend down and, and kiss the Earth. That was a, a thing that we did, uh, which we've mentioned, I think, on this podcast before. And at some point, we realized that there's probably going to be people who can't get up after they bent down to kiss the Earth Mother. Yep. Uh, and there's people who don't like kneeling, and there you know there's there's lots of pieces to that, and I think it was probably during the Dublin Irish Festival, where we have 300 people in our tent, yeah. and we're, and most of them are not pagan, and we, we, we do things up on stage, and I'm like, I'm not going to ask everybody in a tent to get down on their hands and knees and kiss the earth. Also, it's weird to get down and kiss the stage. It like. is. <laughs> yeah, because we were, we're, we're two feet above the <laughs> the earth the earth there. <laughs> and, and so what I what I started doing is I, I put my left hand parallel to the ground out in front of me. Palm down. Palm down. And my right hand kind of in a, a half forehand. So up above my shoulder um, facing out mm-hmm. and that's what I've started doing uh, for the Earth Mother and Kirk once looked at me and he said it's very Near Eastern <laughs> and I'm like 
well, okay, maybe it is, but it's a it's a very comfortable position for me. Yeah, it is for me too. Like you started doing it, and I picked it up real quick because yeah. I I never really liked kissing the earth, anyways. Um, so I typically just wouldn't. Yeah. And for me, it's nice to have. Like I connect more if I do gestures with certain things, and yeah. so having a gesture that like made sense to me uh, was really nice. So I'm curious how it made sense to you. Because I know how it made sense to me. I know why I decided to do it. But you mostly picked it up from seeing me do it. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious if what the what the feeling that flows through you there so is. The motion I would do most typically before that uh, was while standing or sitting in a chair, reaching towards the ground in the way that we typically do for the ancestors, where we stand, you know, um, like elbows in, forearms parallel to the ground, palms down. Um, So I would do that typically for the Earth Mother, but then there's this, um, like, I I like that connection to, like, communing with the Earth, but she's a goddess. And when I do shining ones, I do orans with my hands up. And so combining those uh, those two body positions by having that palm down connecting to the earth but also like recognizing that she's a goddess and having the the motion that I associate with reverence to the deities um combining those made I mean it made it made sense to me and allowed me to feel that connection to both parts of her so makes good sense the reason that I started doing that um had a lot to do with kind of two powers flow. Mm, yeah, that makes sense too. And so, with, with the hand face, you know, facing down out in front, um, with my left hand, it's that notion of the waters that kind of flow up from below. With my hand up, you know, it's kind of that notion of the 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 light and the warmth that comes down from above that mixing and mingling of chaos and order that um, really that kind of day of Prithivi, uh earth yeah. and sky connection um, that I was that I was really feeling and, and when I do that I feel I feel that flow yeah I think that doesn't resonate as much to me um, partly because when I do hand motions with the two powers my uh, the hand that I have up the palm is up, literally, like, catching yep. the the light that comes down. Um, and because the Earth Mother position is static, and when I do two powers, like, I literally, I flip my hand over, that like, my hand that is facing the Earth, I flip it over to pull the waters up to me, and I start with my other hand, palm up, and I, like, push them down into my head, yeah. um, palm down. I, I think that part of it is the... the the idea of radiating back toward the, the earth and the sky as well is, okay, is part yeah. of why I do that. But, no, it, it's... Yeah, all makes sense. Now, so here's a question. We don't typically call Sky Father in our rituals. We don't. Like, it's an optional part, but we don't typically do it. Uh, do you think you would use the same motion? 
I don't know. Probably not. I'd probably go full-on or-ends for that. Um, and, and for those listening at home, when we say or-ends, what we mean is arms to the side, um, forearms straight up toward the sky, palms forward. Yeah, so your elbow kind of makes a right angle um, to your... Like, from your shoulder, your upper arm goes straight out parallel to the earth. Your elbow makes a right angle, and your forearms go straight up to the sky. Yep. Your palm facing forward, like the same direction as your face. Yeah, um, it, it's the the Kernunos on the Gundestrup cauldron is sitting in an orans position. Um, that's usually how it's described. I don't actually know the origin of that term. I should look it up sometime. Uh, but the uh, but that's that's what I would do likely for. A Skyfather thing. It, it's I, I don't do very much at all with a Skyfather. Yeah, figure, I don't. I don't so. either. So, so I'm just guessing at what I do because I haven't done it enough to remember what I do. Yeah, I mean, I just I asked specifically because you talked about Dea Prithivi. Um, yeah, and so that Earth and Sky feeling. Yeah, it's it's one of those weird things. So orans comes from, is a loan word from medieval Latin, which is translated as one who is praying or pleading. But that's the the, the position is O R A N S orans. Um, they describe it as a posture or bodily attitude of prayer, usually standing with elbows close to the sides of the body, with the hands outstretched sideways, palms up. So. Wikipedia has a number of photos to go with it, which is useful. And that's usually the position that I stand in when I call to the gods. Yeah, me as well. Sometimes I flip my hands up so that they face the sky instead of, like, forward in front of me. Mm -hmm. um, but that... I don't know if I have a reasoning to which one I do. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's a specific reason that guides which one, but... Yeah. Typically, I do one of those two. Yeah. The for the ancestors, I tend to, to put my hands down and in front of me, so palms facing down, and that is because of where the ancestors tend to reside in that underworld, other world. Though it's interesting because when I do Vedic work, obviously the ancestors reside in the highest of heavens. Um, and I don't... I, I usually use orans for that. So, it, in a lot of ways, it's very directional for the ancestors for me. Now, it's interesting, you know, sitting next to you and watching you just demonstrate that. Because when I do ancestors, I just kind of lower my hands uh, gently to my... Like, towards the ground. Yeah. And you definitely, like, guide with your fingertips and flip your hands. I do. <laughs> um, and so it's just interesting when you think of it like we have the same body position, but the gesture we use to get there is different. Yeah. Um, and because we do ancestors and then nature spirits, I flip my hands over and I go palms up. And the reason for palms up has to do with the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm showing that my hands are open and I... It seems strange that I would do that for one, but not all the kindreds. 
Um, but the nature spirits are a strange class of spirits. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay looking as non-threatening as possible to the nature spirits. Because when I approach an actual animal in the wild, I try and be as non-threatening as possible. I, I, if I'm going to get close to an animal, you know, I, I want it to think that I mean it no harm. Right. Now, and so I think that's part of why the the up you know the up hand held clearly empty hands um, if I'm not holding an offering is, is what I end up doing. Yeah, I have similar reasoning but a different position than you. So for me, um, my hands are like literally the way I think of it is my hands are stretching out. Um, and I like to call it nature spirit jazz hands, except you're not like shaking your hands when you do it. Uh, you could. <laughs> you could. <laughs> but I am, like, in that moment, I am the tree. And so I am spanning the world to, like, reach out to all the different nature spirits. Um, so it's that, it's that same kind of idea of, like, I'm trying to approach them. But for me, it's not a, um, like, a come to me, it's an I'm going to you. Yeah. Still with the open palm. Yeah, still open palms, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Um, I used to do orans for the, for inspiration, but I've changed that fairly recently, uh, last year or two, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. I don't actually know when I changed it. Um, but it's become more of a uh, more of a funnel sort of look. Yeah, mine is mine has always been what I think yours just shifted to, which is the um, hands raised, cup towards the heavens. And for me, it's the idea that the Awen is raining down, and I am catching it yep. and bringing it into myself. And, and that is kind of where I've ended up. So it's very much like an Orans, but with fingers tilted out to the side. <laughs> so, like that it slides, so it slides exactly. down your hands into your brain. <laughs> yeah. It, well, you know, more into my heart, I suppose. So I'm not really lifting my hands way over my head. But sometimes I do that as well. Uh, a lot of it, I think, has to do with the way that it's described by the person who's calling for inspiration. Mm-hmm. I think that has a lot of, uh, a lot of impact on that. From time to time, our, our old uh, Immel script used to have us kneeling, actually, when we called out Tabriz uh, or Brigando in that particular case. And uh, that has been more or less excised from the script in recent years, partially because people can't get up from that position. I just can't sit on my knees. Yeah, well, it wasn't a very long period. It was at the very end of the evocation, we would go down onto our knees and we'd call out to Brigando and ask her to arrive here and be part of the, the rite. We got some pushback from people who thought that pagans didn't kneel, but that is clearly not the case if you look at, right. you know, archaeology and uh, iconography and all that Kneeling was perfectly fine in the ancient world. Don't let anyone tell you that heathens don't kneel. <laughs> it's in the lore. I mean, yeah, it happened. Um, it's a 
it's a weird thing that people think that that's the case. Uh, but it, it, it is not in the same way of kneeling before a lord, but kneeling has its, has its place as well. And it's it's more of a kneeling in reverence and awe. Like you're so amazed by something that you, like you you fall to your knees and are like impressed by it, yeah. as opposed to a form of like deference. Yes, as we've spoken about before. I mean, when we talk about the, the deities, they are awesome. Not in the hey cool sort of way, but in the full of awe. Exactly. <laughs> or inspiring awe. Exactly. And so that that experience of the awesome presence of, of the spirits um, is something that I mean it can bring you to your knees and not in a subservient way, but right. just in a this is amazing sort yeah. of way. Yeah, yeah. One of the other things that we've done a a lot of you and I is, of course, ecstatic body posture, yeah. um, which follows after Felicitas Goodman's work and uh, later work by folks like Melinda Gore and a few others. And what that entails is it's trance work, not so much ritual work, but it plays into how we work those gestures, I think. Yeah. Because... The, the direct tie that we have between the experience that we have in ritual and the way our body sits is something that is clear and mostly repeatable and when you find a position to stand in or sit in or do ritual work in whether that is a particular gesture or set of gestures or a static position it can enhance the work that you're doing and it can help you achieve a feeling that you had in the past all over again. And I think that's an important thing to remember when we're talking about this stuff. I don't think that it's necessarily important which one you choose or how you stand. I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to stand in ritual or, or a right or a wrong way to do gestures. Um, but I think that finding what works for you with consistency is a thing that is worth doing. Yeah, uh, it was interesting that the uh, the person who asked this question like kept coming back to, but why? Yeah. Why do you do that? Um, and like my my kind of description is based on the way muscle memory plays into mindset. Yes. Uh, because if you always like physically experience the world in the same configuration when you're doing a certain thing then your brain links that so that it becomes quicker and easier for you to enter that mindset because your body has done a certain thing yes the process of dropping into trance is greatly aided by muscle memory yes uh, that connection between mind and body and spiritual experience and body is, is very well attuned. Yeah, and I mean you can make it, you can deepen that even more by adding extra senses, like always playing the same sound, always smelling the same smell, but it really starts with the body, I think. Yeah, and I mean there's a reason that the same incenses are used 
in Catholic churches mm-hmm. over and over and over again, or you know, the the mixture of frankincense and myrrh that happens every Christmas time is used so widely is because it reminds people the religious experience that they had in the Christmases of their youth, and it brings them back to it. Um, so anything that you can do to engage those senses. The other thing, too, with gesture and position is that a little bit of discomfort can also be a trigger to help you get to where you need to be. Pushing past that little bit of discomfort is a good thing. So it might feel uncomfortable. You might get itchy or something like that. You might feel the need to go scratch something. But if you can set your mind to a place that moves beyond that, mm-hmm. you will find that, at least I find, that as soon as I've gone beyond that particular sensation of either discomfort or itchiness or whatever it may be, um, at that point, things start to fall away. Because that's kind of the body's last gasp to grab at your attention in the mundane world before you slip into that transfer. It it also has to do, I think, with... um, Kirk calls it the inner critic, where you have to silence that voice in your head that is like, what are you doing this for? Do you actually believe this? Like, why is this making sense? And for me, that plays into some of the body postures. Like, um, I want to say it's bear, where you stick your tongue out. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so weird. (laughs) And it's a little bit uncomfortable. But for me, I really have to get past that... Um, like awkwardness and be non-judgmental about the fact that I'm <laughs> there with my tongue out. Like it's yeah. it's just weird. But once I kind of move into the um, like accepting this is the position my body is in, then things start to fall away and and fall into trance. Yeah, and I, I should I would be remiss if I did not say that. I'm not suggesting that any of this should be painful, nor right. am I suggesting that intense discomfort is a good thing. Um, also, you need to be uh, safe in your body. So, like, yes. when I was pregnant um, and was doing, uh, I was experimenting with the body postures for trans work, um, had to modify a bunch of them so that I didn't fall down because my balance wasn't as good while I was pregnant. Like, yes. it, it's perfectly acceptable to, to m- make them work for you, too. Yeah. It, it's... Nothing in religion, in my opinion, should be painful in a bad way. It can be temporary, temporarily painful. It can be a pain that is, you know, transient. Um, but if you're hurting yourself doing this stuff, then you... I'm not going to say you're doing it wrong, but you're, you're not doing it right because it's not supposed to hurt. It's not supposed to be painful. Um, it's supposed to uplift you and bring you to a place where you can have a clearer, more intimate experience. Yeah, and I would I would say that is even the case um, if you're doing more extreme forms, uh, like the body piercings and suspensions. Yeah. Like you should, A, have someone who is experienced enough helping you that they are doing those piercings in a safe way. Yep. Um, but also, 
you should be able to have yourself in the right mindset beforehand so that you're not just experiencing pain with with no benefit yeah um so even if if that is something that you're doing or that you're interested in like even then it should not be a like extreme pain without uh it being useful yeah i think that's the the main key is that the experience needs to be useful it needs to be good for you um nothing in spirituality as far as i'm concerned should it's not that it shouldn't make you uncomfortable because it should from time to time you, you only grow as a person when there is discomfort mm-hmm. uh, but you should be able to overcome that and come to a better place if it's all discomfort then it's a, it's time to reevaluate right and like I would say with uh, suspensions and, and uh, like extreme body piercings and stuff like that for the purpose of trance if it's not being effective for you for trance work then it starts riding that line of self-harm like it it needs to be a useful experience and if not try some other ways to to enter trance (laughs) or you know work with someone yeah can help you through those things right someone that you trust but yeah don't don't beat your head against a brick wall with this stuff (laughs) yeah But back to the the gestures and things like that, it's it's very similar. Make sure that the gestures that you're doing work for you. Um, And again, push past a little bit of discomfort. Let it be, let the discomfort be a tool as it is for me. Like for, for me, when I feel discomfort, I'm like, okay, if I get through this, if I ignore that sensation, that desire to itch, then I'm going to find a space where I am in a, a religious experience. And I know that through experience, through the experience of pushing through it, um, but you need to, it, it needs to lead somewhere good. Yeah, for me, I think that the biggest, um, like, I also have the, like, urge to fidget or to... Um, like cross and uncross my legs or to itch something. Um, I get those, but honestly, the, the biggest hurdle for me is more in the brain because what I run into is the, like, how long have I been sitting here? Like, do I need to check and see what time it is? Like literally how long have I been sitting here? And so like when I was first learning to get over that, I would set a timer so that I would be like, okay, I know I'm not going to sit here for more than 15 minutes or yeah. whatever. Um, and that allowed my brain to kind of set that aside so that I could deal with it. Yeah. Trans timing is complicated. Yeah. At best. Well, and I've always had a hard time with that because I go into trance very easily and don't come out very well. Um, <laughs> and well, so, so the... If you're into sonic driving, which is the, the, the process of using sound to move into trance work, whether that's drumming or rattling mm-hmm. or, you know, heavy metal music, whatever it might be, um, picking things that have the appropriate duration yes. is important. And that uh, have a callback, like yeah. the ones that are designed for trance work, like it'll be a straight beat and then the 
the rhythm will change. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, that sort of... If you're worried about time, that's that's one easy way to get around it is to, to find a sonic driving um, or drumming tape, MP3 these days, whatever it may be, yeah. um, to that has a has the right amount of time that you need to follow, um, and that'll help pull you out. So, but yeah, use those gestures. Use the uh, the the posture and the experience that you gain from those to deepen your work and you'd be surprised what you might find uh, helps you get into and out of a religious frame of mind as you go forward. Thanks for listening and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something you would like to hear us discuss in a future episode please drop us a line at druidsandcars at threecranes.org if you'd like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids and Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Our theme song's lyrics were written by Arthur Shipkowski, and the music is written and recorded by Mike Beershank. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org, and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes, and let us pray with a good fire.